If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to open Acts chapter 1. We're going to look there today. You ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? The, the plot of the story is powerful. See, there's a group of soldiers that are given the responsibility, the assignment of saving one single soldier by the name of Private Ryan. It was after his three brothers were all killed in the war. And so their job is to rescue this soldier and get him back home to his family. But you may not be aware there was a real-life Private Ryan. Mary and Stephen Campione had four sons. Albert, 21, died in Germany around Christmas, 1944. Carmen, 18, was killed by a minefield in the Rhinelands in March, 1945. A month later, Bernard, 32, died in Holland when a German plane bombed his truck. And in four short months, Mary and Stephen saw the war claim three of their four sons. As each of their sons died, the Campiones, aided by their representative, Thomas Lane, asked the army to keep the remaining sons off the battlefield. But the couple's requests kept getting turned down by the army brass because military pro policy provides a soldier would stay in the U.S. only if he was his family's sole surviving son. So only after the third son was killed did the army devote its resources to returning Private Anthony Campione to his parents. You see, since the beginning, our church's mission statement, the church's mission statement, is to save the Private Ryans of this world. To bring them into the family of God before they become a casualty of war called life. Our mission is to make disciples of all people by evangelizing our neighbors and our nations by equipping the saints for the work of ministry and exalting the Lord in worship. See, that is the heart of the church. I read the other day about the heart and what it does for our body. Little bigger than a clenched fist, the heart expands and contracts about 70 times a minute. And the average man, uh, and 78 times in a woman, 90 in a 10-year-old boy, pumping an average of 1,500 gallons of blood every day. And the purpose of the heart is to circulate blood through our body to the cells of our organs and tissues. When it's stripped of oxygen, the blood turns blue and eventually makes its way back to the heart and then to the lungs. And in the lungs, it exchanges excess carbon dioxide and picks up a fresh supply of oxygen. And then it's pumped back through the aorta and back through this 60,000 miles of circulatory system. See, evangelism is the heart of what we are about as a church. Missions are at the heart of what we are about as a church. Because really, they are the lifeblood of the body we call the church. Now, there's a difference between evangelism and missions. Right? Evangelism is bringing people into a vital relationship with Christ and our local church. Missions is providing the opportunity to reach people both at home and abroad for Christ and His church. I mean, evangelism is faith training, it's Bible study, it's everyday witnessing and everyday walks of life. On the other hand, missions are Connect Christian Camp, our Ben Wellson and his family serving international students, our Kurt and Becca serving in Russia. See, the reason why evangelism and missions are at the heart of our church is because it was the heart of Jesus. I mean, the last words that Jesus ever uttered before ascending into heaven were, were these. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. When Jesus left this earth, he had missions on his mind. He came as a missionary from heaven so that he might make us missionaries for heaven. And in this one verse, in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus had already given the church everything we need in order to know his will, in order to do his work. And so here we have the heart of why and how we carry out his mission. And it all begins with the dynamic power that God supplies us for his mission. I mean, Jesus left his disciples with one of the greatest promises he ever gave. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Each of us possesses this supernatural, effectual power to carry out the work of evangelism and missions. It's not just pastors, right? It's not just elders. It's not even just church leaders. It's every single one of us who are a part of the body of Christ. We possess this power. See, the Greek word here for power is, is dynamis. It's entered our English language when a, a Swedish chemist and engineer, Alfred Nobel, made the discovery that became his fortune. He discovered this power that was stronger than anything the world had known. And so he asked his friend, a Greek scholar, what the word for explosive power was in Greek. And his friend said, dynamis. And he said, well, I'm going to call my discovery by that name. And he called it dynamite. <laughs> Do we have God's dynamite power to be a witness for him through his Holy Spirit? I mean, understand, witnessing, it's not dependent upon you and your personality and your persuasiveness and your position. It's all dependent upon the power of God. And so if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, you have within you the power of the Holy Spirit to be a missionary witness wherever you go. Acts 5.32 says, And we are His witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. See, evangelism is just simply getting in partnership with the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit use you, speak through you, and bring people to Christ. So we need to utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know what's really sad is so many Christians don't. I read about an American who took an English friend over to visit Niagara Falls. And they were looking at this tremendous water falling down this massive cliff. And the American said, you know, this is the greatest unused power in the world. The Englishman, being a Christian, said, you know, I beg to differ. The greatest unused power in the world is the power of the Holy Spirit. But did you notice its power? What is the purpose of its power? The power of the Holy Spirit is given so that you will be witnesses for Christ. The Holy Spirit is not given for our enjoyment. It's given for His employment. And the reason why God gives to each of us the, the person, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit is so that we might be a witness for Him. There was a lighthouse keeper who was working on a rocky stretch of coastline. And he got his new supply of oil once a month to help keep the lights burning. Not being far from shore, he would get frequent 
requests and guests. And one night a woman from the village begged for some oil to keep her family warm. Another time a father asked if he could use some in his lamp. Uh, Another time someone needed to lubricate a wheel. And since all the requests seemed legitimate, the lighthouse keeper tried to please everyone and gave them what they asked for. Well, towards the end of the month, he noticed the supply of oil was running very low and soon it was gone and the beacon went out. And that night, several ships were wrecked and lives were lost. The authorities investigated and the man was very remorseful and he gave what he thought was the legitimate excuse for his actions. But they looked at him and he said, you know, you were given oil for one purpose, to keep the light burning. We as the church are given the oil of the Holy Spirit for one purpose. To keep the light of Jesus Christ burning in our hearts so that we can share that light with a world that is lost in darkness. Another reason for having the heart to carry on God's mission is because of the designated people that God selects for the mission. I mean, when Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses... He was talking to tax collectors and fishermen and homemakers and farmers and just people like you and me. I mean, when he said you, he was talking to his disciples. And so, if you are a Christian, therefore a disciple of Jesus, he was talking to you too. And I don't believe you can call yourself a disciple if you're not witnessing, if you're not in the evangelism and missionary business. Someone once said, God cannot and will not win this world to Himself without us. Christ alone can save the world, but Christ cannot save the world alone. See, we are to be His witnesses. I read once about a story of angels that gathered around Jesus after He came back from earth. And they were asking Him all these questions, and one said, Lord, Lord, what are you going to do now to spread the gospel throughout the world? And Jesus said, well, I've called my disciples to carry on my great commission. And they will in turn share the message of the gospel. And others will respond and they in turn will go and share with others who need to be saved. And the angel said, so you're telling me you entrusted the task of getting out the message of eternal life and salvation to earthlings? Counting on them to be witnesses of the gospel message and take the gospel to the world? Jesus said, you're right. And the angel said, well, Lord, if they don't do what you command them, what is plan B? And Jesus said, there, there is no plan B. See, if you want to know how God intends to reach the lost world for him, actually, let's break it down. And if you want to know how God intends to reach your neighbor for Christ, your, your family member for Christ, your, your coworkers for Christ, your classmates for Christ, simply go home and look in a mirror. There is no plan B. It's up to each and every one of us to be His witnesses. See, not everyone in the church is called to preach. Not everyone is called to teach or to be an evangelist or pastor or seminary professor. But every single one of us are called and commanded to be a witness for Jesus of what we have seen and heard. The key to the explosive growth in the early church is found in Acts 2, verse 32. It says, This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. 
See, I believe when we are saved and we are in love with Jesus Christ, witnessing is not only something we must do, it's something we cannot help but do. See, think about it from a legal aspect with me. God has called us to be witnesses, right? He, he didn't call us to be lawyers. He didn't call us to be prosecuting attorneys. He didn't call us to be judges. He called us to be witnesses. Just to tell about what we've seen and heard. In fact, the, the, the word witness comes from an old English word that we don't use anymore. Used a lot in Elizabethan times. It's the word wit. To wit means to know. A wit was a knowledgeable person. So a witness was someone who knows something and just simply testifies to what he knows. That's what we are called to do. Jesus said in John 3 verse 11, Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. Ananias told Paul in Acts 22.15, he said, You will be my witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. See, we are not to be a witness so much as to what we know, but who we know. Jesus said, You shall be my witness. We're not to witness to a church or a creed or a code or a cause. We are to witness to Christ. And Jesus is the center, the core of our witness. You know, sometimes people talk about, oh, I'm sharing my faith. Well, Buddhists can share his faith, and Muslims can share their faith, and Hindus can share their faith. But we are to share Jesus. Because what this world needs most is Jesus. So he is to be the subject of our witness, the source of our witnessing, the sustainer of our witnessing, the strength of our witnessing. We are to be his witnesses because He's the only universal need in our world. I mean, he's the need of the communist and the capitalist. He's the need of the Republicans and the Democrats. He's the need of the American and those in China. He's the need of the rich and the poor. The greatest need of every man, woman, and child alive on this planet is a personal relationship with Jesus. And we are to be his witnesses and tell them about him. The final reason we need to have the heart to carry on God's mission is because of the definite places that God set up for the mission. See, Jesus not only told us how to carry out our mission, but where to carry out our mission. See, it starts in our community. Right? Listen again in, in Acts 1. He says this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was, was where they were at when Jesus was speaking these words. So basically he said, you know, first place I want you to be my witness is next door. See, I will tell you unapologetically, the first responsibility of our church is Wheatfield, Indiana. DeMott, Indiana. Couch, Indiana. Home. There's an old saying, it goes like this, the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest near home. Now, I believe in world missions. I believe in foreign missions. But if we are not doing everything we can to reach our city and our community for Jesus, we can't call ourselves mission-minded. I mean, some people get the idea you can't be a missionary unless you get on a boat and cross the waters or get in a plane and travel overseas. 
But I understand if you're not a missionary here where we live, you'll never be a missionary anywhere. Dwight L. Moody was once on a train and he sat across from a young man who was just bubbling with excitement. And he said, well, where are you headed, son? And he said, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to Africa and win the heathen for Jesus. And, and Moody said, well, let me ask you, how many souls have you brought to Jesus right here where you live? And the young man so, said, oh, I've never won anybody for Jesus here. And Dwight Moody said, well, let me tell you something. You're not a missionary. You're a sightseer. See, missions do not end at home, but without question, they start here at home. After home, we are to go out to our country. He said, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. In effect, Judea and Samaria were the countries where they lived. See, never forget, we are in a mission field right here in the United States. I mean, if you have any doubts that America is a mission field, let, let me just share some facts I found. Since 1970, there's been no appreciable change in the proportion of adults who attend church services at any time during the week. Since 1980, there's been no growth in the proportion of adult population that classified as born-again Christian. And the fastest-growing church in America is not Christian. Among those expanding the most rapidly are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and various cults. So yes, we are to go to our country because our country desperately needs Jesus. And then finally, the world. He says, you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. That is, we are to saturate every place on this planet with the gospel of grace. Our desire should be that every nation would have printed on their currency in God we trust. So we are to be as witnesses anywhere and everywhere. Over 50 years ago, we celebrated the New York World's Fair. It was highlighted by the lighting of the Tower of Light. And never in history had been the, such a collection of lights in one place. When those lights went on, there was an illumination of brightness never before seen. It could be seen for hundreds of miles. The switch that lighted the Tower of Lights was thrown by a dignitary from South America. Actually, he wasn't a dignitary. He was a Peruvian headhunter. In fact, he was the chief of a tribe of headhunters named Chief Terreri. He was so fearsome, he personally killed and decapitated ten other chieftains and an uncounted number of jungle Indians. The head of those ten chieftains decorated poles in front of his hut. Well, the Peruvian army was so terrified of him, they wouldn't even go in the jungle to look for him. But there were two young Wycliffe Bible translators, Loretta Anderson and Doris Koss, armed with nothing more than the weapons of their translator, pens, pencils, and Bibles. And they went into the Peruvian jungle and headed straight for the camp of Chief Terreri and to what would seem to be certain death. But in the inscrutable providence of God, for some reason, the chief looked upon them with favor. Apparently, he saw them as not a threat at all. And they showed him this strange and unknown form of love 
It touched his heart, got his curiosity. They learned his language. They began to speak to him about the one who loved the world with such a love that they had never seen before. A love that took him all the way to the cross, to the very pits of hell. And the heart of this hardened headhunter was softened by the power of Christ. And one day he got on his knees. He yielded his life to the Lord. And he led 200 of his tribesmen to Christ. It was that Peruvian headhunter, Chief Terreri, that pulled the switch at the New York World's Fair in 1964 and illuminated the Tower of Light. See, because two brave women cared enough about a single private Ryan, Jesus, the light of the world, came into the darkness of Chief Terreri's heart and produced a light that caused him to become a light to the world. See, there are private Ryans in Japan, the Amazon, in your office, in your classrooms, your neighborhood, your community, your county, your country, and on every continent on this planet. And we cannot rescue them all, but we can rescue some. And everything that we can do, we must do. Because you see, that is our mission. So let me ask you this morning, as we close, who is the Private Ryan in your life? I mean, maybe it's a neighbor that you know that needs Jesus. Maybe it's someone that you go to work with. Maybe it's someone you go to school with. Maybe it's someone in your family. Go. Shine your light. Share the love of Christ with them. And save another private ride. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for sending Jesus into our world to share your love and your grace with us. Lord, we thank you for his death on the cross for our sin. And even more for his resurrection showing us your ultimate power. So Lord, I pray you help each and every one of us through your Holy Spirit to go. Go to those in our lives that need you most and be your witnesses. Help us to share your message of grace and love. Let us use the power of the Holy Spirit to be your witnesses until the whole world knows. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.